Thank you, Ryan. Who here likes chocolate? <laughs> All right, so Ryan mentioned that he has enjoyed seeing my personal growth. Um, and just a little bit about me, uh, and well, we're going to talk about, I'm going to share my testimony today, but I've been, I was in youth ministry for 20 years and uh, loved it and still love it and never had a desire to be out of it. Uh, and then two years ago, God said, I want to move you into a senior pastor position. And uh, that was a scary thing for someone who's been in youth ministry for 20 years to do. Because I always looked at the senior pastor as the old guy. And because uh, that's what youth pastors do. You know, they look at the senior pastor, the old guy. And then I'm like, does this mean I have to become the old guy? Uh, so uh, I, I don't like being the old guy. I still like being a youth guy. But uh, there, there's a big difference, and so that's kind of what he's referring to, and it has been a, a learning and growing process, uh, but there's still a big youth guy part of me in, in my heart. And so I figured that most people here would probably like chocolate, uh, and don't please, you know, I, I just like having fun. So who has their Bible with them? Okay, well, I would hope so. Anyway, chapel of a Bible college would have their Bibles with them. Uh, who, who knows what a sword drill is? Yeah. All right. Now, I am very particular. I'm very particular about my sword drills and the way that I do them um, because I, I've just known over the years too many uh, <coughs> Christian kids who cheat at sword drills. Uh, 20 years. I'm watching Stephen over here because he looks really fishy to me. Uh, so, Stephen... I, when I walk, when Stephen walked in, I said, I know him. And Ryan says, oh, he may have been your waiter at Olive Garden. And I'm like, that's true. He has been my waiter. So this is what I, these are my rules. Uh, with your Bible, you have to hold it by the binder in one hand. Okay. You have to hold it up above your head with no bent elbows. So if you're like this, it's halfway to your hands already. Okay. So you've got to be all the way up here. That's the rule. Okay. That's the rule. All the way. No bent elbows. Um, and... That's a bent elbow. No, I don't care about phones. I, I never said you couldn't use your phone. I never said you couldn't use your phone. I know people that can look, find it faster in their books than they can on their phone. Okay, and so I'm going to say the reference. You're going to repeat it back to me. And when I say charge, you can look it up. Okay, and, the, and as soon as you find it, stand up, start reading it. If you ha Whose arms are getting tired? Everyone's because your hands are up. Um, if you have it memorized, just stand up and start saying it. It's not standing up that, that lets you win. It's standing up and saying it or reading it, okay? And uh, I'll be watching. And uh, These are actually for me. There is no prize. So, no, okay. All right, you guys ready? You ready? Are you ready? Are you sure? Galatians 4, 6. Who is looking up? You did not listen. You have to repeat it back to me as a group, and then I will say charge, okay? Galatians 4, 6. Galatians 4, 6. That was much better. That was very good. I was impressed. Okay, now when I say the word charge, you can go. Very good. Very good. It took some of you. Very good. Read it out loud for everyone to hear it. Read it out loud for everyone to hear it. Galatians 4, 6. 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 Gal
Very good. What's your name? Dustin. Dustin. There's extra large Hershey bar. And if you don't like that, you know, can you do it again? I don't care. I just feel bad for those people that when I said, when I say the word charge, they didn't start looking it up. You ready? We got two more. I got two more chocolate bars. Two more chocolate bars. Ephesians 5, 1, and 2. Right here in the blue jacket. You struggle with instructions? Okay. All right. Just checking. All right. All right. All right. We, we had a chance to go to the football game the other day, and uh, the MSU football game. And I, I like football games. I like baseball games better, you know, because the baseball games, they do that dun 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 you yell charge. And that's my favorite part of a game. <laughs> One more time slower. Steven, that was close, but your service wasn't good enough. So I'm going to, no. One more time. Very good. What's your name? Good job, Nick. Good job. All right, one more. One more. One more. One more. I make sure I say the right one. Zechariah 3 1. Charge. Is that Zechariah? Who's standing up? You got that one? Zechariah? What is it? Yeah, what is it? That was very good. That's not the verse I was looking for, though. But that was very fast. I was just checking. Why, you raised your hand back up. No. no. <laughs> Galatians 5.25. Swords up. Galatians 5.25. Well, let's try that again. Galatians 5.25. Okay. You can try. Who said that? Charge. Stephen got it. Good job. 525. I've been too many youth. Too many youth try to steal chocolate bars. That's why I don't throw them anymore, because there's too many people that would just grab. Okay. So a little bit about myself. Uh, like I said, I did youth ministry in various forms for, for 20 years. Uh, camp ministry, uh, YMCA. Uh, believe it or not, there are YMCAs that still know what the C stands for. And uh, in YMCA, how many people don't know what the C stands for in YMCA? YMCA is Young Men's Christian Association. That's how it was founded. And so I spent many years with the YMCA doing sports and camp and uh, after school programming and saw a lot of kids come to Jesus that way, and uh, really cool. Um, God led me eventually into church ministry, and so I've been a youth pastor a couple different places, and I uh, have enjoyed it. I've been married for 19 years, and if she was here, you would think much more highly of me, because uh, <laughs> she would say, wow, he is capable of that. Um, so I love my wife. She is, uh, she is involved in music at our church, and uh, loves to sing, and that's her, one of her passions. 
Uh, and then I have four kids, uh, three boys that are uh, junior, sophomore in high school, and uh, an eighth grader in middle school. And then I have a daughter that uh, both has me wrapped around her finger and also drives me crazy at the same time. And she's in fourth grade. And so, so that's a little bit about me. Uh, I did go to a Christian college, uh, got my degree in youth ministry, which was another reason why I'm like, why am I becoming a senior pastor? I know nothing about it. Um, but I was told that I was ready. That's what I was told. You're ready for this. I, I don't know. Does this go down? It's too tall. I'm short. There we go. So currently I'm working on my master's degree. And uh, so I'm in school also and uh, doing it through uh, Crown College, which is uh, up in Minnesota. And, um, and so I'm excited about that. And so among everything else, keeping up with teenage boys and a nine-year-old girl and trying to keep my wife happy and lead a church and go to school at the same time. Uh, I had hair three months ago. So <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Three, more, three main points I want to talk to about my testimony. And a lot of times when we hear testimony, we think about who we were before Jesus, how we came to Jesus, and then what we're doing now. And, uh, and for me, when, you, when, you, when you're eight years old, there's not a whole lot of before Jesus. Um, I was not one of those seven-year-olds that ran around drinking, uh, <laughs> chasing women. Uh, I just wasn't that way at seven years old. And uh, so, so there's not a big before testimony time, okay? And, but there's a lot of things that has taken place since that time. And so the, the three things that I really want to focus real quick on is just the, the, the reality of Jesus as our Savior, the bigger step of Jesus as our Lord, and then the daily step of walking in the Spirit and making that a decision that we do and keeping in step with the Spirit. So uh, how many people grew up in church? I, I grew up in church. Uh, far back as I can remember, we were going to church. I, I love people who grow up in church. Okay? I love people who grow up in church because usually they have a really good knowledge of Scripture. Um, normally, they have a really good solid knowledge of Scripture. I think that's also, I think that can be a bad thing sometimes too. How many people didn't grow up in church? I love people that didn't grow up in church because <laughs> they don't get stuck in the church way, okay? They don't get stuck in churchy things. Um, I love the excitement that uh, people that didn't grow up in church, when they come to Christ, there's, there's an excitement that's there, and it's obvious in their life. And uh, I've, seen, I've seen people that grew up in church that know this word, this scripture really well, and then they go out and do damage for, in the name of Christ to this world. Uh, I know people that, who didn't grow up in church who are very excited about w the experience they've just had and they go out and say all kinds of things that don't line up with this and cause damage uh, to the world that we're trying to find and we're trying to reach as well. Um, I, I was one of those that, that was always in church. I loved church. I was eight years old when I accepted Christ as my Savior. And I was always in church. I loved being at church. I was weird. Okay, I was, because I talked to people today. There are very few people that just, I was, if the doors were open, I was there. There was a youth activity going, I wanted to be part of it. Um, when I was eight years old, I remember saying to my mom 
that the devil and Jesus were fighting over me. And of course, being a great Christian Baptist mom like she was, don't say such things. And I said, but it's true. The devil and Jesus are fighting over me. How many eight-year-olds know what that's about? How many eight-year-olds know what that's about? I would have visitors at night when I would sleep, and I couldn't always explain them. It, it was scary. Uh, I saw a cloaked man outside my window, no face, and was just there outside my window. It was scary for an eight-year-old. And my mom had gone to a retreat. We were living in Arizona at the time, and my mom had gone to a ladies' retreat over in San Diego. When she'd come back from that retreat, I remember just having this need to, to know why this was happening and what was going on. I said, Mom, what is this all about? And she said, you need to ask Jesus to be your Savior. And I said, well, what does it mean for Jesus to be my Savior? And she explained that to me. And when she explained that to me, um, I right away said, yeah, this is what I want. I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. What was really cool was that feeling of the devil and Jesus fighting over me stopped instantly. The visitor that I had coming outside my window never came back because who did I belong to at that point? I belonged to Jesus, and I could not be touched by Satan. He had to leave me alone. What's wild is when my, son was, my oldest son was four years old, I talked to him about asking Jesus into his life. And the words that he said to me, he looked at me at four years old and says, I can't ask Jesus into my life. I said, well, do you understand it? And he did, and he explained it to me. And I said, why can't you? He says, because the green smiley face outside my window has the keys to my heart, and my heart is locked. Of course, I got mad. And I said, well, you know, if you tell the green smiley face to give those keys to Jesus, he has to do it. And at four years old, he turns towards where his outside of his window would be. And he balled up his little fist and said, green smiley face, give those keys to Jesus now. And he just totally relaxed in total peace. And I said, Brandon, where are the keys? He goes, Jesus has them. I said, where's Jesus? He goes, he's standing right there in the doorway. And I said, ask him to unlock your heart. And he did at four years old. There's a battle going on out in our world because Satan does not want to see people come into the kingdom. How many people here would say that when they came to Jesus, they were led by someone who was family? Who would say the other way around? Someone outside of family. Okay. A little more, probably about 60-40 in that. The majority of the time, it's someone in your family that leads you to Jesus. That's, that's, that's more common than not. Um, guys, we need to have a passion to share Jesus because Satan is out there trying to keep people to come, keep people from coming to Jesus. Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to hit a couple different verses, and you guys have already pulled out three of them. Uh, I'm sorry, not Luke, Mark. Mark chapter 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, 
and bless them. Uh, one of the big reasons I was involved in youth ministry for so long was because Jesus believed in youth ministry. Uh, a lot of his disciples were young guys who were just getting going in the world. He went and believed in them. Uh, he, he pays attention to children. I love children. I can be around them for so long, even my own. <laughs> when, when God said, you're having four kids, I was like, wait a minute. Me? Are you sure? Um, but he had a heart for children. And if you're going into any kind of ministry where you have opportunity to be around children or youth or anything, man, pour into them. Because, because they aren't the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. And uh, most churches that are healthy have vibrant uh, children's ministries and youth ministries. And it's those kids that, that really bring energy to a church. And you see that because there's not a lot of excitement in churches that are full of people with no hair. I mean with, with gray hair or older people. When you, when you get a church like that, there's, it's not the same excitement. Um, I, so I grew up in church. I love church. Uh, but I, I did the typical high school roller coaster thing. You know? Anyone do that? You know? When you're with certain friends, you act a certain way. When you're with your church friends, you act the other way. I loved Wednesdays. I loved Sundays. I loved the weekends and going out with my church friends. I, I didn't really do bad stuff, but I didn't really live for Jesus all those years either. And uh, uh, matter of fact, my junior high school, I ended up at a Christian school and loved it and had a, had a great year. Um, some of the best friends I'd ever had. But there were still times where, you know, uh, being a Christian was more about doing the right thing and not necessarily living for Jesus. There's a difference between that. Um, the summer before my senior year of high school, I found out we were moving from North Carolina, where I'd lived and, and had a great church, been there for five years, and we were moving to the south side of Atlanta, and, uh, which, who, who likes to move the year before their senior year? I, I was not real excited about that, and I really struggled with that. I made certain commitments, uh, as far as my Christian walk, I said, okay, down here, I, I want to be, be a good follower of Jesus. I don't want anyone, I want to be able to tell people about Jesus. I want to live for Jesus. And I did that, but I still never understood why God took away where we were living in North Carolina and why that I had to move and why I lost all my friends and all of those things that go with moving. And I really got mad at God. And uh, I let the world get into my head. Well, I let Satan get into my head. Um, people like music. You guys like music? Um, any, anyone, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of music you listen to. You can listen to any kind of music. You know, you know. does it have to be Christian music? No. I listen to Christian music. I listen to secular music. I listen to... If it sounded good, I listened to it. Satan used that to let a certain song get into my head. And it was a song as old band. I'm not even going to say the name of the group. Um, but they had a song about a girl who, who life wasn't going the way she wanted it to. And she got mad at God. And uh, she tried to take her life. And it didn't work. Um, and the chorus said, I don't want to start any blasphemous rumors, but I think that God has a sixth sense of humor. And when I die, I think I'll find him laughing. And uh, I began listening to this song, and it penetrated my thoughts. And I felt like that I was kind of this, uh, 
pawn on God's chessboard of life. Now, when you think about the reality of what was going on, this wasn't any different than what a lot of people had been through. People move. People lose friends. People leave friends behind. But Satan allowed this song to just influence me so much that I started believing it. And some different circumstances that happened in my life. And I decided that the best way to get through life was to just end it. If God's laughing, I want to be laughing too. Anyone ever felt that way? Life is just hard. And I believe that when I died, I'd find God laughing. And for me, the best thing I could learn, I wanted to laugh too. Thankfully, I, I, I actually was at a point at 17 where I had taken a knife out and was in a kitchen and I was ready to end it all. And God sent two of my good friends through the door. And uh, they prevented anything from happening. They didn't know what was happening. Well, when they walked in, they did, but thankfully nothing happened. And they took the tape that I had, tape, that's how old I am, tape, not CD. They took the tape and they took it away. Uh, I woke up the next morning just scared, frustrated, not understanding why I was there. I grabbed another tape and put it in the tape player uh, and pressed play, and it was a tape by an uh, album from uh, Michael W. Smith, and uh, started with a song called The Last Letter, and it was talking about a kid who was 17 and wanted to end it all. But he said, I, I have a different way. I have a better way. And it pointed to Jesus. And it was at that moment that I said in my life, Jesus, I don't want you to just be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. Whatever you want, I'll do. That's a big step. There's a lot of people in our culture, there's a lot of people in our church culture that have made Jesus their Savior. That have said, I, need, I, I don't want to go to hell, I want to go to heaven, I want the benefits of God, so yes, I want Jesus to be my Savior, I want Jesus to come into my heart. But there's not as many people that have said, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want to give you every part of my life. Now, you guys are sitting here, you're at a Bible college you're pursuing why you're here I don't know I went to a Bible college uh, we had a roughly just under a thousand students that were part of our school we had a lot of kids that were there because they were seeking after God and they were pursuing God as their Lord and they were pursuing the direction he had for them there are a lot of people there that were there because it's just where their parents said they could go and they didn't have that same passion um, so I don't know why you're here I don't know if you've ever made that step. If you have made that step, I, I, I want to say I'm excited for you. Because when I made that step at 17 years old, it was within the next month that God called me into full-time ministry. It was within the next month that he began leading me in the direction that I needed to go. That eventually took me to the school I needed to be at. That eventually took me, allowed me to meet the, the girl that I ended up marrying, which was a huge part of who I am today. Um, that has led me from living mostly in Georgia and North Carolina. I sound like it, don't I? Uh, no. To now living in Montana and leaving all of my family out east, which is a hard thing to do. But I'm here because this is where God has led me and because he's Lord of my life. Um, my, verse, my life verse became Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Be imitators of God. This is what Nick read. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be imitators of God. You know, that, that's one thing that we are taught. We are taught to be like God. 
We are taught to follow the rules and do the things that God would call us to do, the things that God tells us to do. And so I began ministry, and as I was doing the various things in ministry, YMCA, and then eventually um, full-time youth ministry, camp work, uh, I ended up at a church in North Carolina and uh, was there for six years. We did some awesome things at that church, saw some great things happen at that church. Scripture says that the devil is like a roaring lion, seeking, prowling and seeking to see who he could devour. Um, if you've made Jesus your Savior, if you've made Jesus your Lord, we have to learn to walk in the Spirit consistently. And that's the Galatians 5, to stay in step with the Spirit. Because if you don't stay in step with the Spirit, you may have made those decisions in the past, but if you're not staying in step with the Spirit, Satan is looking to see who he can devour. When I was in my church in North Carolina, I, uh, I was really wrapped up. I wanted to serve God. I wanted to do the right things. Uh, but there was part of me that was kind of doing what most people would say the stereotypical youth pastor should be like. You guys know what that looks like? It's who I was trying to be. I was trying to be the fun guy, the goofing around guy. The, I, I, mean, I mean, I taught Jesus, and I was excited about doing that. But there's a part of me that I've always struggled with, um, and I'd say that the sin that, that I probably had in my heart for a long time was, was the selfish I factor. It's about me, you know? Our culture really struggles with this, the concept of the I factor. It's about me. It's all about what I want. This morning, my daughter, she didn't want to do, she didn't want to wear the clothes mom wanted her to wear. She wanted to wear her things. It was all about her. And this happens all the time. Um, eventually, because I, I, things were going well, and I don't want you to think that, that I was just all about me. It was about Jesus, but Satan looks for ways to get in. And the way that he got into me while this successful ministry was going was, was selfishness and pointing to myself. And when that happened, I eventually got to a point where I fell, and I made a mistake in my ministry. And I had to get to a point where I, I eventually got caught in what I was doing. And uh, I had to confess it, and uh, I was removed from ministry. I wasn't allowed to minister anymore. And you think, well, how can that happen? How can that happen? Uh, why do we sin? Anyone? Because we're sinners, okay? But what's, why? What? Because we desire that more than God. Is, is, and, and, and I know, you know, I'm not looking for, a Bible school answer. Um, it, sin is enjoyable, isn't it? I mean, just if we're honest, there are aspects of sins, the things that we do. We lie sometimes because lying is, well, it benefits me, right? Why do we lie? So I don't get in trouble. So I look better. Why, do you, why does someone steal? Why does someone steal? Because they like stuff. Who's it about? Sometimes they steal out of necessity, but still, who's it benefiting? It's them. You know? uh, why, do, why do people get caught up looking at things they shouldn't be looking at on the internet? 
Why does someone get involved in sexual relationships? Because it feels good. It's about me. This is lemonade. Who likes lemonade? I like lemonade. Um, I want to liken this to sin in our life. Okay? Sometimes we have those moments where the flesh takes over and we desire something. When I was in my church, I, I got in that, and I, and I fell in a particular area. And, I, you know, I said, hmm, this, this, this is actually pretty good. And I would drink my lemonade. There was a little bit of tartness to it, you know, but it still was refreshing. It still tasted good. But I also wanted to honor God. Anyone like mocha frappuccino? I also want I mean, when you're thinking about a drink, I mean, to me, this represents God. This is good, okay? It's sweet. It's got caffeine. It's got coffee and chocolate in it, you know? But I, I wanted to honor God, and so I'd say, okay, God, I want to honor you with my life. I love you. I love you, God. And so I would drink from God. I'd read my Bible. I'd go to church. Well, like I said, I was caught in this particular sin, and, and, and this happens in all of our lives. That's why we have to stay in step with the Spirit. When we make Jesus our Lord, we have to stay in step with the Spirit. Because if we don't, looking at things on the Internet, a little tart, but it's refreshing. Or lying. Or, I don't know, being selfish. Just being selfish. I mean, it's a sin. It's a sin. We have to take care of ourselves, but being selfish. Our culture, our church culture, says we can do these things. And then they always want to run back. Oh, it's Sunday morning. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to get filled up with God. It's Tuesday or Thursday chapel. I'm going to get filled up with God. You know what we really want to do, I think? I think that we, as Christians we say, I don't want to be this. I, I want to be this. What we really want to do is just pour a little bit of sin into God and think that we could live our life like this. Who wants to drink this? That's just not very good. That's just not very good. But a lot of Christians today, especially in America, they think they can live this way. That was what I got caught in. I got caught up of living in just a little bit of sin, but trying to live for God. And I eventually got caught. I was glad I got caught because I didn't know how to get out of it. I was in a church that was very, very strict, very um, legalistic in a lot of ways. And uh, I wanted to stop what I was doing, but I didn't know how to stop what I was doing. And so I basically became very blatant about what I was doing so that I would get caught. And I did. And the coolest thing was that the church loved me and brought me into reconciliation and took me through a process that allowed me to be restored to where God would have me back in full-time ministry. I did take a time out of full-time ministry. I did end up leaving the church by my choice because there were some people that did not know how to love and how to help someone through a situation like that. Um, I spent two years out of full-time ministry, um, growing 
and being reconciled back to the Lord. And the reason I share this today, this, this is my testimony. This is my testimony. This is who I am. And as I have the opportunity to stand before you guys as people who are at a Bible college, in whatever direction that you're going, I believe then, and I hope that your heart is that you want to serve Jesus. I hope that you have not just made him your Savior, but that you've made him your Lord. And then not only that have you made him your Lord, but you look at the Galatians 5.25 and, and you make that decision to walk in step with the Spirit. I hope that you've made those decisions. But I also want you to know that if there's something going on in your life that's outside of God, that is a sin that you're caught up in, guys, I want to encourage you to get with one of these adults that are here and not to be scared to go to them and talk to them because they want to love you and they want to help you and they want you to be the man or the woman of God that you're called to be. And guys, you never will be that person if you allow that sin to hold on because Satan is going around and he's looking for someone that he can devour. And I don't want him to devour any of you guys. I hate what I did. I hate what I did. I hate that I had to put my family through it. One of the hardest things was having to go to my wife and tell her what I did. I hated it. I love who I am today because of what I went through. But I, but I still believe I could have been who I am today had I not fallen then before, had I just been walking in the Spirit the whole time. And so I, I, I'm, I'm assuming, and sometimes that gets us in trouble, that everyone here knows Jesus as Savior. I hope that if you know Him as your Savior, that you'll take that step of making Him your Lord, controlling your life, but then also that you will say, I want to walk in step with the Spirit on a daily basis. And if there's anything that will keep you from walking in step with the Spirit on a daily basis... I want to encourage you to get with one of your professors or one of your, one of your administrators or a leader here at the, at the college or the church that you go to and say, I have this in my life. I need to get rid of it because with this, it's, going to make, it's making it difficult for me to walk in step with the Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your love for us. Jesus, I thank you that you're our Savior. Thank you that you call us um, to walk with you, to surrender our lives uh, to the point of making you Lord, and that you have a personal relationship with each of us and desire for us to walk with your spirit on a daily basis. I pray that you will help these students to do that, all of us to do that. And Lord, in that, we will come to a point um, where we surrender everything. Lord, if there's anything in any one of these students' lives that uh, may be hindering that, may be hindering their relationship with you, I pray that you'll encourage them to talk with someone and to get help. Because the best thing, Lord, you, you are a God of reconciliation. You are a God that wants to see uh, us restored and living for your kingdom and wants to use us. So, Lord, I pray that you'll help them. Lord, as we walk through this day, help all that we do and say bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.